Oi, what's going on? How are you? It's Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 5th of December, 2023. Man, I just had a fucking sick... I was like, just turn the fucking mic on, mate. Um, yesterday, I went to a... Uh, I think there's a new op shop near my place in Coburg on Sydney Road, Sacred Heart. And uh, I was just cruising around. What did I do yesterday, man? I went for a walk without my phone and like a long, like I went into the city without my phone. I got on the tram. I was just like, fuck this. I'm just going away, you know? And, um, on the way back, I, uh, so I was in the city for a bit. I ran into a friend. We had a nice chat. That was awesome. And, uh, I sat in this cafe and did some writing. The fucking, oh my God, the fucking, protesters were out i was i don't know how i feel about the protesting because on one hand it's annoying like it's so annoying and it just feels kind of pointless you know it just feels kind of absurd to these people on the other side of the world going like cease fire now i don't know but like a part of me a cynical part of me is like i feel like some people just need something to fight against you know as much as obviously killing is bad on both sides also it's weird that they're I guess they were, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I was going to say it's weird that they're waving a Palestinian flag because like Israeli people got killed as well. They all got killed. They all got fucking, heaps of people are getting killed and it sucks, you know? <laughs> but like, I don't understand the mindset of someone who would give up their Sunday to go and scream. It's like, at who? Like, who are you yelling at? There's no one there. You're just meeting up with a bunch of other people to scream like at a building. <laughs> I don't get it, man. But then also, you know, on the other hand, it's like, it's really cool that there are people in our society who they just believe that the world should be a better place and can be and that they have a role to play in that. And so on that hand, it's like good on them for going out there and doing their thing. But like, fucking, can you go do it somewhere else? Because <laughs> I was trying to have a coffee, you know? Like, those people in Gaza, they're dead. You know who's not dead? Me, trying to have a coffee. <laughs> Obviously, that's not it. Whatever. I was just... I, I, it's not that the thing that they're doing is wrong. It's that I couldn't imagine ever being the kind of person who would do that. And... Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like I got more... I feel like genuinely, I feel like me having a coffee is more important and I'm not saying they shouldn't do that but I'm saying I would choose having a coffee every day over going and protesting I don't know if that makes me selfish or or cynical or whatever but um anyway they were out there doing that and and you know that was I tried to write some jokes about it I couldn't couldn't find what was funny about it then or now actually and then I got on the tram went home stopped off on Sydney Road at uh this new sacred heart joint and i i guess lately i've been trying to find because i'm on my coles and woolies boycott because fuck coles and woolies i don't know if i can't remember how much i've spoken about that on the pod but i think it's three weeks and counting now i am off coles and woolies fuck them man i'm not giving them any money it's also more expensive to do your shopping there literally 
I've been going to KFL, this Asian supermarket on Sydney Road now, and I went there because HelloFresh, uh, I don't know. I'm saying they fucked up, but I just didn't have the money in my bank account, so when they tried to charge me, it didn't come out, and then I missed the email that said that, so I didn't get a delivery. So this week, I don't have HelloFresh, so um, I went to the supermarket to get some stuff to cook food for the week, and it was so much cheaper. I got a soy sauce. What did I get? Big bowl of soy sauce, thing of cauliflower, butternut squash that are like fresh market shit. And I got some other stuff as well. Can't remember. But it was all like 15 bucks. And I feel like at Coles, that would be like 20, 25 bucks or Woolies. There's no way at Coles or Woolies, the fresh produce is $1.50, which is what it was each. The butternut squash and the head of cauliflower. They're just fucking cunts, man. But also, right, because I'm on the boycott, I'm trying to not get T-shirts from Coles and Woolies. And I just feel like, you know what? I had a moment like a week ago. No. (laughs) Hold up. Hold up. Just let's fucking take it back. Rewind. Have a sip of tea. There was no way it was a week ago. It was like two months ago. I just, I I think I got ahead of myself there and just started talking without actually thinking about the thing that I was going to say. I had a moment, maybe a month and a half, maybe two months ago, when I went to a friend's place and I was wearing one of the t-shirts that I got in Iceland when uh, Air Asia didn't put my bags on the flight and so I had to buy new shirts and I went to the op shop there and I got some t-shirt that was just like some weird Icelandic wool and it was a choir but it was in Icelandic and I was at my friend's place for some drinks on a Saturday night I think it was and uh someone commented just like hey man that's a cool shirt where is it and I was like dude it's fucking this thing and I got to tell the story and I really liked that and I thought wouldn't it be nice if I had a bunch of t-shirts that just had random stuff on them and short of just going on holiday again I think one way to do that is to just go to op shops and just look for cool t-shirts and it's just like something to do when I go to an op shop you know like I, I got enough button-up shirts you always need t-shirts they're the basic the staple they go underneath whatever you got on they're good in winter and summer so i am gonna i think for a bit until i lose focus on it i'm gonna make a habit of going into op shops and just looking for cool looking t-shirts and then looking up the stuff that's written on them and seeing what it is and if i can get them sick i got one a few weeks ago or like a week ago um that's gray and it says oh what does it say i was wearing it last night and the comics lounge tagged me in a post because i last night i was at the comics lounge it says javu j-a-v-u it's gray and the javu is blue and then it's got this red kind of circle with like legs i don't know it just looks cool i don't know what the fuck it is got that one a week or so ago maybe last weekend And then yesterday, and the reason that I was laughing at the start of the pod, yesterday I got this one and uh, I looked at on the front, it's like an embroidered bird with like green bird with like kind of flames. And I was like, that's fucking sick. And then on the back, it says Celtic Falcon rope access experts. <laughs> what the fuck is that? And Celtic is spelt with a K, K E L T I C, Falcon Rope Access Experts. 
And it just looks fucking sick, man. And oi, I looked it up just now and turns out it's a training center in Dartmouth, Canada. Celtic Falcon Rope Access Experts is one of North America's premier rope access training facilities located in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. (laughs) Why is that? I just am excited that it's a real thing and that it's from the other side of the world, you know? How do I get into rope access? In order to reach level two, more than one year's experience and over a thousand logged hours on the ropes are needed, while level three requires 12 months and 2,000 hours overall. At level three, a a technician becomes a certified rope access supervisor. How much do those guys make in Australia? 75 to 85K. Yeah, nice. Well, look, that's a whole thing. Let's see. All right, let's go onto their Facebook. How many Facebook? They got. 2.2k facebook followers industrial rope access training provider fucking yeah last minute refresher slash open climb day we'll be opening up on december 6 we'll be staying open late so feel free to pop in after work it's just a whole thing it's a whole subculture and i don't know anything about it but i'm gonna rep their shirt because it looks fucking sick man more of that and you know what actually next week on friday this week i'm going to perth for a weekend of shows at the Perth Comedy Lounge. Very exciting, great lineup. A few mates are going to be there. That's going to be sick. I've got a sandwich place lined up that we're going to go to. I might get their merch, maybe. We'll see. But you know what? I'm going to go to a fucking... to a uh, an op shop in Perth somewhere. Maybe in Florida or somewhere fancy where they're going to have good stuff, you know? And, uh, and I'm going to buy... If I can find a cool one. That's something to do, isn't it? Hey? So that's exciting. Anyway, how are you guys doing? Huh? Doing good? I'm in a good mood, man. I'm having a great day. It's Monday. It's afternoon. I woke up this morning and watched Tottenham uh, draw, incredible draw, three all, last minute draw with our team still just fucked in the ass with injuries. Three all at Man City. Incredible. That was so dope. Still very exciting. We had three losses on the bounce and then to go into a draw at the best team in Europe at their place with still both of our centre-backs and our best player in the midfield, James Madison, missing was amazing. So I woke up early and watched that and that was an exciting game. Did some work in the garden. Uh, did the mowing, spread the clippings on the on the flower beds and stuff and um, pulled out a bunch of weeds. Cooked some food, ate some food, and then just played piano a bunch. I'm really excited. I got a gig tonight at uh, the local tap house, local laughs, and I'm doing 10 minutes and I'm doing piano stuff. Um, Friday night, I did an open mic down St. Kilda and didn't bring the piano, just tried out some new jokes for the show. And then last night, opened for... um, dear friend Dan Muggleton with the great lineup of Peter James and Rohan Ganju at the Comics Lounge in North Melbourne. That was sick. And I, I didn't bring the piano for that either. I was just doing straight stand-up. Kind of nice to get back onto the stage without the piano and just, you know, remind myself that I can still do that. And I'm going to be doing that all weekend in Perth this weekend. So... Nice to, I guess, just like get another rep with that because it's different with the with the keyboard. I, it is, it's like a barrier. I felt more exposed without it, which is kind of cool. 
Um, but tonight, I'm very excited because I think what I've been doing, I just, like I realized the last few weeks is basically working on the opening 10 for the new show. And I reckon I've got a fair idea. It might be more like 12, 13, but I've got a good idea of what it's going to be to come out and then uh, do this stuff that I'm making fun of musical comedians and then play the first passage of the Nocturne and then go back into the opening bar of a musical comedy to be like making a joke out of that, to distance myself from musical comedy. And then in the next bit, I have a story about going to that fucking rat down at the piano store and buying my um, my case for my piano and then the shitty interaction I have with him and I have a joke where I say comedy isn't about laughter, comedy... No, comedy is not about being funny. Comedy is, if you go back to the ancient Greeks, you know, it's all about just communicating to a group of people your true thoughts on trans people and uh, that's gotten a laugh a couple times and I think what I'm doing with those two bits right is I'm distancing myself from either side that's I kind of like that in the setup of the show it's like I'm shitting on musical comedy and you know I'm not doing any stupid songs about depression or climate change so I'm distancing myself from the political left of comedy but then also I'm making fun of people who think that comedy is, you know, just Joe Rogan making fun of the trans community. I think even maybe a tag on that bit was I'll go, comedy is actually about making fun of trans people. And then he's like, what about immigrants? I'm like, oh yeah, fuck, sorry, immigrants as well. And then we crossed ourselves and said Joe Rogan 10 times and he's actually directing my show now. I think that's going to be the tags there. And in that, distancing myself from the right politically in comedy because I think both sides are... Fucking stupid and, uh, you know, I think ultimately it is just about trying to be funny and connect with people equally. And I just, I don't know, I I just kind of came up with that idea today, but cool to distance myself from either side because I think both stupid. It's just annoying when people try and politicise comedy, I think. When it should just be about telling your story and letting people read between the lines, you know. Um, so yeah, there's that. And then, um, going to, I've been thinking about, I kind of thought of a joke because like the idea behind the opening part of the show is that Chopin and the tension in the piece kind of comes in the left hand while the right hand is doing its own thing. And it's almost like the tension that we all have beneath the surface, the right hand, the melody keeps going and you wouldn't know that there's tension, but underneath that, the left hand, there is tension kind of bubbling away. And I'm bringing back an old joke talking about the voice in your head that says crazy shit. The old joke being sometimes I'm in my kitchen cooking and my housemate walks in and just because he's there and I'm holding a knife, the voice in my head thinks, oh, what if you stabbed him, you know? You just stab him in the neck and he'd be dead before you started crying. So I want to bring that voice back and then use that to kind of illustrate the way that Chopin builds tension in the left hand. And I thought of calling that voice the inside voice. You know, it's the inside voice because it's inside. But because I'm very loud, sometimes people will say to me, Aiden, use your inside voice. And I'm like, nah, you don't want to hear what that guy's going to say. You know, that guy's fucking, he's killing you. <laughs> that guy, nine times out of 10, you're dead if that guy's at the controls. So... I got that, and then I think that's a callback at the end of the fucking thing. I just, I got a lot of ideas, man. 
And I'm going to do that set tonight. And I'm confident about how it's going to go. Um, yeah. So I'm very excited. And then, uh, I mean, I guess like if that goes well, it's 10 minutes. If that opening goes well and I've got that recorded, I'll probably do it. I've got a couple gigs on Thursday night. And then I won't be taking my piano to Perth. And then the next time I'm back doing gigs is in a couple of weeks after Perth. I'm at Comedy Republic Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I'll probably do it there as well. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And like, I think what the set's been missing is a punchline at the end of the kind of first real piano segment at the end of that 10, 12, 13 minute chunk. And if I can get a punchline to really get a good laugh at the end of that chunk that's the opening of the show set. Then I can just do it and it'll grow by itself, but I don't need to work on it anymore. And then I can get into the second section, which is the fucking meat of the show, talking about my cousin's kids at Christmas last year, talking about my dad adopting me, talking about the breakup. And yeah, I just, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very excited about this gig tonight. I hope it goes good. This week I've been, uh, well, what did I do Wednesday? I did a full day, passed my full day touring, uh, did the Great Ocean Road, drove the truck or drove the bus and did all the stories, um, had a great group of like 17 Americans, all except for one were women and uh, I was playing my own music, which I thought was good, but after the first like couple hours, they were like, hey man, you're killing us with these elevator tunes. Can you... <laughs> they literally said that. The chick was like, man, you're killing us. You're killing us with this. Can you just, I don't know, man, top 40 hits, pop, anything, but just like not the elevator music. <laughs> I was like, man, that's literally my favorite album. I've got Kingdoms in Color by Marabou Stayed On. I didn't say that. I was just like, yeah, totally. <laughs> It <laughs> broke my heart a little bit. Um, but as soon as I put you, I put I put Party in the USA on by uh who's that by? Is that Miley? Whoever the fucker was. And they just started singing these chicks. And we were driving through the Great Ocean Road and they sang the entire way, pretty much for the rest of the day. They were all singing. I put on Bad Bunny, which I didn't know what it was, but they loved that. Shakira. You know, all this stuff. <laughs> they loved it. So, uh, that was awesome, man. I had a really great day. I noticed, though, that because those days are so daunting, it's 16 hours, it's 12 hours of logged driving, but it's a 16-hour start-to-finish day. It's just really scary. And, like, when I get tired, you know, especially at the start of the day behind the wheel, you get a bit tired. There's always a moment in the day when you're going to get tired behind the wheel and you just kind of got to push through it. But it's scary and it's just stressful to be like, am I going to get enough sleep the night before? So I've really noticed myself the day before one of these big shifts, just kind of having like an extra level of stress, trying to be mindful of that because I've got one tomorrow. I've got my first one with no instructor or anyone. It's just me tomorrow. And... I've got this gig tonight, which I've got, I've got piano lesson at six and then I got this gig at 8.30. I'm closing the first. 
So I'll probably be done at 9.30 and then I'm going to get a cab from St Kilda to save half an hour. Straight back here, shower, in bed by 10.30 and then I will be up at 10 to 5. So that's like six hours of sleep. It's not, you know, like it's not amazing. It's not the nightmare, but it's not amazing. I just got to make sure that I'm all kind of keyed in and, and fucking ready to go for the long ass day tomorrow. It's a really long day and I'm nervous about it. But anyway, um, I guess I was going to talk about this. I, uh, I don't even know if this is that much of a story actually. I just like yesterday, I'm very proud of myself because I didn't, uh, I, I'd been kind of seeing this girl and I realized last week that I was starting to develop feelings for her and she had told me at the start of us seeing each other that she was fresh out of a long-term relationship and she wasn't looking for anything serious and I was like that's fine but then when it started to I just I just started to feel like oh I like this girl so I told her and she was like well nothing's changed with me and I was sad and then you know we left it there and then yesterday she just sent me a message and it kind of wasn't it's whatever it was just like a little bit emotional and I just I noticed that it made me emotional I think it even made me a bit tired just like dealing with the emotion of like being sad that you know I mean we did the right thing we cut it off at the right moment but it's still sad you know because I was developing feelings for this person and then now they're not around um and I think that's even why I went into town without my phone because I was just like I probably got to feel this and, you know, just have it be the day. I don't see it being too much of a longer thing than that because ultimately I'm still pretty happy with myself at the moment. But um, I just kind of let myself have that day to be a bit sad about that. And that's, you know what? That's probably why I was angry at the (laughs) protest people. (laughs) Maybe or maybe I do actually hate them. I don't know. Um... But on the way back, on the tram, I just noticed I felt really compelled to go to a massage parlor. I just had that thought in my head or just like reach out to someone for some kind of sexual contact. Um, and I don't want to talk too much about the girl and like cause her privacy or whatever, but it is interesting to me that like, she wanted to have a no strings attached sex thing. And I guess I'm on paper, I want that too. But with her, it didn't feel like that was possible because the time that we spent together, I just felt that we were getting along really well. And I was like, I like this person. I, I want to spend time with them outside of just having sex. And I even feel like the way, the reason that our sex was so good was because there was an emotional kind of romantic connection there and that it couldn't be good in the way that it was without that. But when I was feeling sad yesterday, I felt that what I wanted was like a meaningless, emotionless contact with someone. And it's not that that's what I wanted, but it was that that was what I, I felt like a compulsion to reach out and try and find that somewhere. And I don't like the way that that kind of, thing makes me feel 
when I've been to these massage places before, I don't like how I feel afterwards. But I just, I really felt it, man. On the tram on the way home, I was looking and I, you know, I just noticed on Sydney Road, there's so, <laughs> there's so many, man. Every stop, it's like, there's another one. There's another one. And a part of why I went into the city was on uh, Wednesday when I did the tour, I got tipped by these Americans in American dollars. So I went into the city to get my American money changed into Australian. And it was, I had a hundred in American from then and also from another time before. And that got changed into 150 Australian. And I just was like, I've got cash in my pocket, 150 bucks. I could just get off the tram right now and go into one of those places and get a massage and a happy ending. And like, I, I just felt like that would make the way that I was feeling go away but I know from experience that it doesn't do that. It's like a momentary relief, but it costs like a hundred bucks and I just don't want to spend that money on that. It just feels pointless. And I, I feel like I don't need to do that. I can just have the feelings and feel them. So I, I didn't do it. I'm very proud of myself. I didn't do it. I stayed on the tram and I went to the supermarket and I got my stuff from the supermarket to cook and then I got home and I went straight into my room and I jerked off like a fucking man is what I did all right <laughs> sometimes that's what you got to do I don't know I don't know what the point of that story is um I'll be interested to know if any of you guys have some shit that you do in those moments that you notice yourself like I know for some people it's like cigarettes or booze or some drugs or some kind of compulsive behavior and I was very happy with myself that yesterday I didn't fall into the regular pattern of doing the thing that was going like and I even noticed I was so I wasn't proud of myself actually in the moment but I was proud of myself later in the day when I went to the comics lounge and I was gigging with my friends and then after that we went out for dinner and I had money in my wallet to pay for my part of dinner you know and I was just like if I had done that this afternoon I might not have had I probably still would have because there's something 100 150 so hey maybe I should have done it point is I would have opened my wallet I when I opened my wallet to give my friend the money and all my money was still there I was like fuck yeah because if I had been had done it in the afternoon and then been here with my friends and opened my wallet and been like oh that's right I spent a hundred bucks today on having some lady fucking jerk me off because I felt sad. If I'd had to remember that, it just would have sucked. I would have been annoyed at myself. And I don't want to feel that way. And instead, I felt proud. Where there once was shame, instead, there was pride. <laughs> you guys seen that Norm MacDonald video of uh, the... <coughs> The uh, Dirty Harry joke. If you haven't seen that, go on YouTube and look up Norm MacDonald, Dirty Harry joke. And then <laughs> the line when he says, where there once was shame, now turn to pride. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, God, it's so good. It's so good. 
I've been really thinking this week about I've been reading this book Sand Talk by Tyson Yunker Porter an indigenous man and I can't remember whether I spoke about this last week but the big thing in the book that I'm really liking is towards the start he said one of the most harmful things I think I did talk about this last week one of the most harmful things that exists in all people and is the root of most evil in the world is the thought I am better than you and uh, you know I've always oh not always but like a few years ago maybe like three years ago at the start of COVID three and a half years ago um, me and the person who at the time was like one of my best friends our friendship kind of fell apart we were living together and it was so hard. Um, it was so hard for me. I felt just like completely abandoned. Um, and you know what? I think that's a big theme in my life. Could you believe it? Guy who met his biological dad at 28 has issues with abandonment. Would you believe it? It was so hard. Because uh, me and this guy, we'd just been so close for so long, for like, you know, how long? Since when I moved back from the UK, so 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, about four years, we'd been, yeah, like, you know, talk, see each other every day, live together. And then suddenly, out, not out of nowhere, but like, it just, the, it, you know, there was no contact and... Um, also, there was COVID, so like that kind of exacerbated the way that I was feeling. I didn't have my usual outlets to to get rid of my feelings, and then also I went through this really shitty breakup that was very mean spirited on both sides, and it just, it just everything was fucked. And I found myself, you know what? That was probably the worst. That's probably one of the worst times in my life. Twenty twenty around June, July, August, one of the worst periods that I've been through. And, um, you know, I'd been sober for about a year and I'd kind of started going to therapy, but I hadn't, I hadn't found my therapist that I really connected with. And so that was having like mixed results of usefulness. And something that I found that was really helpful was I, I noticed I would walk around and get into these dialogues in my head with my friend who we hadn't spoken and a part of that part of why I got into these dialogues was because he completely kind of cut me off from like he wouldn't respond to any of my messages or any of my kind of entreaties to talk and um, then the breakup that I'd gone through that was again that was also just a complete hard cut off and so I had those two people and I was alternating between the two of them. I would walk around or just be at home or whatever I was doing. And I was always having conversations with them in my head. But because there's no input from the other person, you're just going round and round and round. And it took me a while. But the way that I started to learn how to deal with it was because it was just making me unhappy. <clears throat> it wasn't solving the situation or, you know, I was trying to get some kind of control over a situation that was completely outside of my control and that was what felt so bad I think was that I couldn't control it so I started whenever I noticed the conversation happening 
It was especially with my friend. I think it was with the girl as well, but it was more than that. It was with the friend because that was the kind of thing that endured. Um, and that was like a bigger relationship in my life. I started noticing that I was having these conversations with him in my head and I would say, there he is. I just would notice it like I was joking about a couple of weeks ago with the Headspace Andy, the meditation app, fucking smug motherfucker. <laughs> when he goes, when you find a thought, notice it like placing a feather on a little bubble. <laughs> Which <laughs> placing a little feather on a bubble, <laughs> which I fucking hate, but it really makes a lot of sense, right? Because the idea is you notice it without judgment or without any kind of harshness or like aggression or energy or whatever, you just notice it in the softest way possible. And for me, I try and laugh because. It's almost like catching out a little, you know, the little demon going like, oh, there he is. Uh-huh. There he is, that little thought that's going to send me spiraling and make me feel bad for the next few minutes or hours or days or whatever it is. And I noticed that that helped me. Another another little analogy I remember reading, or, no, I remember watching a video of on the Headspace app was when uh, you walk down a street and you fall into a hole. If you're noticing what's around you, then next time you see the hole, maybe you still fall in, but you remember there was a tree just in front of it. And then the next time you see the tree and you're like, there's that fucking hole. And eventually if you're being mindful, you don't fall into the hole. You have the presence of mind to walk around it. But if you're not being mindful, if you're just worried about all this stuff, you fall into the hole every time because you never even notice the thoughts that precede it. So what I started doing was any time I noticed myself ruminating and having those conversations in my head with my friend and getting angry and upset and whatever, I would just notice it and I would go, there he is. And to bring it back to this book, Sand Talk, I think what I realized this week, because I still use that whenever I'm upset about interactions or a relationship or something with the person, I, I kind of try and think like, all right, what ways can I control this situation and put input into it and then I do that whether it's apologizing or if it's telling a person how you know their actions have made me feel or whatever I do as much as I can do but then after that the hardest part is the easy thing is just doing what you can do I think that's you know figuring out what you can do and then just doing it because that's in your control but the hard bit is after that letting go and going all right I've done all that I can do. I'm not going to try and do any more stuff. I'm just going to let it go. And uh, that's hard because in the moments when I've done all I can do, I still keep thinking about whatever it is that's upsetting me. And um, I still use that technique of going like, you know, there he is or there she is or there they are or whatever it is to stop that thing in its tracks and just laugh and, you know allow the thought to pass so that I can focus on whatever else things that I want to think about or music that I'm listening to or where I am look around at the trees you know (laughs) and um, when I read this book I think I think that thought the there he is thing I think what that is is this voice this idea this ego thing in my head that Tyson Yuckerport is talking about. It's the idea that I'm better than you because what I'm trying to do whenever I have these conversations with someone in my head is I'm trying to go, 
I'm trying to figure out a way that I can be right so that then I can report that to them and be like, hey, remember how we're whatever? Here's why you're wrong and I'm right and you should apologize to me and fuck you. And I start getting angry and I want to, you know, I want to win the conversation. And I reckon what that is, is the little voice in my head going, you're better than them. You, you're right. You deserve to have them apologize to you and you just need to figure out how to make them see that so that they can do it and then you can control the situation. And of course, it's not true. You know, maybe sometimes, you know, it's nice to get an apology, but sometimes the person that you're upset with isn't going to apologize. And like, to bring it back to this girl, you know, I, I think a few years ago, there was a relationship that I was in that was kind of similar to this where I wanted one thing and the girl wanted another thing. And I think a part of why it was such a bad breakup is because I wasn't able to accept that we just wanted different things and we had a great connection and it was really, you know, I really liked spending time with her and um, I could have seen us having something going into the future, but she couldn't and I just was unable to accept that and so I kept going back and trying to fucking change myself or change her and that... I mean, you know, from her as well, but like for me, that was what contributed on my end to the really fucking shitty, poisonous breakup that we had. And um, with this thing on Friday, I could feel myself again wanting to just disagree with her when she told me the way that she felt. And it's just like, just stop and just fucking let it go, man. Because she said, like, you got to take people on face value. And she said what she wants and how she feels. And as much as I feel a different way, you got to just go, okay, that's what she said to me. You just believe it. And then you just go, all right, thanks. And I'm proud of her for saying that stuff. And I'm proud of me for saying, you know, for, for just accepting it. So, <sighs> So, yeah, man. I'm back to being happy. I had a sad day yesterday, but it's not overtaken me. And you know what? Whenever I feel down, all I need to do is remember the good people at Celtic Falcon Rope Access Experts. <laughs> and know and be inspired by their ability to haul themselves out of whatever difficult situation they find themselves in. And that's what I'm doing today, guys. I've got my fucking rope and I am accessing. <laughs> I've, I've gone down into the well of emotion and I have accessed my feelings in an expert manner. And now, like the eponymous Celtic Falcon, I am hauling myself out. <laughs> <laughs> and over the precipice into safety. Um, I reckon that's about the podcast this week. Of course, the name of the podcast this week is Celtic Falcon Rope Access Experts. And the photo for this week, I reckon, what can I do here? Have I got anything that I haven't done? Um, oh, actually, I can tell you guys this story and I'll use this photo. On Tuesday last week, I was on my way on the tram to a gig and I fucking, I was sitting next to me at the tram stop, there was an old couple, both grey-haired, must have been maybe 70, 
and the girl, the lady was sitting there cross-legged, closed off body language, and the guy was all up in her grill, leaning all over her, and uh, it looked like they were on a date. My read of the situation was, and she was saying like, no, thank you. The friendship's, I think the friendship's quite enough for me. And then, uh, and <laughs> what was it? And he was like, can I send you a letter? <laughs> That's right. He goes, can I send you a letter? I took my headphones out when I realized they were having some kind of heated conversation and he was leaning all over her and he was like, can I send you a letter? And she's like, well, you can, but it depends what the letter says. And um, my read of the situation was that they were on some kind of old person date or like that they were friends and he was trying to turn the friendship into something more and she was having none of it. And uh, it was just so fucking awesome because like, I mean, it wasn't awesome. It's kind of sad, you know, because it looks like she felt, if not uncomfortable, at least just not happy with what was happening. And then he was so desperately, needily trying to fucking, you know, creep up on her and get something off of her. But it was just so funny to be like, you guys are so fucking old. (laughs) And you're still, men never change, you know. This guy is just creeping all up on this lady and she's trying to tell him to fuck off and he's not listening and he just looks so skeezy and anyway I took a photo of them out of the window of the tram but I didn't get the best photo I got a decent photo but then when I put my phone away I saw the photo that I really wanted which is he grabbed he like did some big hug over like put his arms around her and tried to kiss the side of her face and she just pulled away so hard she was not having a fucking bar of it. She was just pulled her face away like... <laughs> I was like, fuck, I wish I got that photo. Um, anyway, that's going to be the photo from this week. I got I got a decent one out of the window of the tram, so I'll deep dream that and you guys can fucking have a look at that. And the title of the podcast is going to be Celtic Falcon Rope Access Experts. You guys are the best. I've been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.